so much for joining us. If you've been listening for a while, I hope you've been enjoying all of these, and uh, if you have any feedback on them, we'd appreciate it. We encourage you to email me at richardvincenti at geekwithenvy.com, and let me know how you feel about the podcast. All right, so what is going on out there? Well, oh yeah, for starters, we had... uh, an announcement that StarCraft II Heart of the Swarm is going to be available for pre-purchase. Actually, it's available for pre-purchase right now. That's pretty cool. The uh, StarCraft II expansion uh, is going to be pretty epic from what I can see. And StarCraft II, what an awesome game. Absolutely awesome game. I love StarCraft II. Um, multiplayer is, is my favorite, uh, mode, of course. I think most people would, uh, fall into that category. Uh, but I did dabble in the campaign portion of StarCraft II. And actually, I know this is probably terrible, but I haven't, I haven't beaten it yet. I'm like right at the end, very close to the end, and I, I just haven't beaten it yet. I need to get back in there and, and, uh, finish the campaign. Been so busy, I got caught up with multiplayer and all that, and... Uh, just kind of left the campaign behind and haven't been back since, but I should wrap that story up because I want to definitely get that completed before we move into the heart of the swarm. So yeah, uh, we posted some really cool stuff. If you haven't seen it, um, definitely head over to my post for StarCraft II Heart of the Swarm because it's not just the announcement. It's also, uh, we also have some screenshots on there. And I also have a complete multiplayer unit rundown right there in the blog post. So it goes over each of the new uh, multiplayer units. And also we have some new multiplayer maps available. You can look at those on there. And we also have pictures of each of the multiplayer units, some high-res photos. So some pretty cool stuff, man, including a, uh, a trailer, the new trailer. So if you haven't seen that, head on over to the Heart of the Swarm post. There are quite a few new multiplayer units. In fact, uh, I have eight of them listed right there on the post. There is the uh, Swarm Host, Warhound, Viper, Tempest, Shredder, Replicant, Oracle, Hellion. And they all have some pretty cool, uh, pretty cool weapons and unique abilities. So definitely check that out. I'm excited for this. And uh, it's not coming out for a while. It will be released on March 12th of 2013. Uh, but again, you don't have to wait to buy it. You can go. You can pre-purchase it right now through your Battle.net account. So, kind of one of those things. You buy it now and just forget about it. And when it's out, you've got it. Especially if you do the uh, 
Well, of course, if you're doing that, you're going to be using the digital download option. So it'll be available for download immediately. I really enjoy digital download. How do you feel about digital downloads? Personally, I like it. If you if you haven't gotten into that, um, you should, because I think it's pretty pretty awesome. I mean, it, it is nice to have the box and everything I, I in the artwork, and I do I do like that. In in some instances, I will get I will purchase an actual physical copy of a game, especially if it has like a really really cool like collector's edition. Then I'm super interested, but otherwise. A lot of the content I've been buying has been digital download. So, I don't know. How do you feel about that? I know some of the older stuff that I have, uh, or if I've lost games, like some legacy games, some really old school games, like, uh, well, since we're on StarCraft, like the original StarCraft and things like that, or um, some of the older Blizzard games, I uh, like Diablo and things like that, I definitely, um, or Diablo 2, I definitely like to have the actual boxes boxes for those games. I don't know why, but uh, most of them I had. In fact, I had Diablo 2 since, I believe, close to its original release, but sometimes things go missing and or discs get damaged and you need to buy new ones, and I know Blizzard offers a digital download. Well, I would rather, um, in some cases, try to find the original if I can, but, but then you have to download all the patches and everything like that, and um, but that's up to you. But I like the artwork. I do like to collect some of that stuff. But most of the time, I, I do the digital download. For this one, Heart of the Swarm, probably going to do the digital download. I might even pre-purchase it. I don't know. That's pretty tempting to just grab it now and I don't have to worry about it. But I don't know. It's quite a few, quite a ways away, I guess. But whatever. Uh, another thing I got into on the subject of games. We really got into games this week and. I was thinking about gamer bars. Um, if you haven't seen any of these, you have to go to my post and check this out. There's a few of them that I listed on there. It is the, it is the most awesome idea, and I think it's something that fits with our generation uh, or the new generation of, of gamers that have come up in the world, and I think it fits really well with our culture. And I think we're going to see more of these, and I want to personally see more of these. So anytime I could talk about it, I, I would love to keep talking about it just to get the idea out there uh, in people's heads and get some entrepreneurs who are interested in, in doing this and creating these uh, places, these social areas that we can go and, and enjoy gaming together. And not just uh, gaming between friends and, and those in the community, but also major league gaming, competitions, being able to gather around a big screen television, a bunch of HDTVs with StarCraft II competitions or uh, anything that they've got MLG's got going on. I mean, we could all get together and watch it, have a have a couple of brews, maybe get some good food going on, uh, maybe even play games while watching games. I think it would be awesome. So, And they're out there. They do exist. And there's definitely a demand for that. And I stated uh, in the, or actually put it up a pretty cool uh, graphic on the post showing exactly how much growth we've seen uh, in Major League Gaming alone every year, year over year, and they've seen 334% growth in live viewers. That's Major League Gaming. That's incredible. That's a huge amount of growth. That's amazing. Year over year, 
they're just building and building and building on their audience. Live video consumption right now is more than 15 million hours consumed. That's amazing. In two years, they've seen 636% growth. That's crazy. They went from 1.8 million viewers in 2010 to 11.7 million viewers in 2012. That's absolutely incredible. That's a huge jump. People are diving in. People are really getting into this stuff. Uh, I've been following it ever since its inception, and I love the idea of serious gaming competition being broadcast in, uh, in, and especially getting together with friends and, and watching these things. I mean, especially to have a place to do all this. And again, I think it's just absolutely incredible. Now, uh, 80, there's some other statistics on here too. 85% are male. 60 uh, percent are 18 to 34 and uh, you know let's see what we've got here uh, 40 percent household income is over a hundred thousand so other funny stats about the audience there the interesting stats but overall the most impressive thing in there is just the amount of growth they've seen in live viewership and again this is major league gaming you can actually see these stats right on my post and at major gaming majorleaguegaming.com so there's definitely a demand for this. So we need we're very passionate about our games and we know this because you only need to head to one of the nearest game stores on a game release night and you'll see fans queued up in the cold and rain waiting patiently as they discuss everything from strategy to artwork with other fellow gamers. There's no doubt in my mind that the idea of social, a social gaming establishment will catch on in more communities as time goes on. And that's, what I, that's exactly what I wrote. That's quoted right, right from the page. And I think that's dead on. I think they need to be advertised more. I don't think people, I don't think a lot of fans know that these places even exist. So there could be one in your backyard you might not even know about it. I don't see anything about it. Unless you're actively looking for it, I have heard very little about these types of establishments. And that's kind of where I, why I'm disappointed. Now, uh, and I want, to see, I want to see it more advertising. I want to see this reach an even larger audience. Because like I said, 11 million people, I know that there's more interest in this than what we're currently seeing. I, I, again, I think it's just a lack of advertising. I think it's just people don't know these places exist. And yes, there's also a lack of this physical establishments. Now, if you live in certain areas, uh, for instance, in the Seattle area, you're going to find that you have quite a few of these places here. But if you move into an area, uh, I don't know, maybe somewhere in the Midwest, in Indiana, maybe you don't, maybe you only have one within your community. Maybe that's uh, 50 to 100 miles away. In some cases, that is the case. And people are actually making the trips to go there. They're taking these road trips. They make a road trip out of it, which is kind of cool. I don't think you should have to, but it is fun, you know, to go out there. I know there's some pretty hardcore gamers that get together and do these kinds of things and go on these long trips, but you really shouldn't have to, right? I mean, you should have these available at least once in one in every major city 
So hopefully we're getting to that point sooner or later. There's some already there's some already really good businesses that have come about that offer these that offer a social gaming experience, such as AFK Tavern, Battle and Brew, and EXP. These are some cool places that offer a place for you to have a drink, rack up some dragon kill points. They have tournament nights, geek trivia, battle.net tournament broadcasts, and other major league gaming broadcasts, all coupled together with good food, brews, friends, and hey, it's just an amazing time. I mean, what else could you ask for? I mean, that's, that's amazing. And what's really cool is some of these places look really cool. They have some really amazing uh, layouts. They have awesome areas uh, for you to put your computer, to put your desktop machine, to put your laptops. They have uh, an awesome LAN network put together. They have tables, you know, for you to sit down and, if, heck, if you want to play some board games or something like that, or if you want to get into D&D &D right there, you can do that too. So it's just a really awesome place for gamers to get together, and I want to see more of them. So in my attempt to get that out there, I made a post about it. And I also included a video of EXP, which shows you uh, kind of what it looks like, what at least one of these establishments looks like. Uh, establishments. So yeah, this is pretty cool and I hope it catches on. And again, check out that post and look at those statistics. There's definitely an audience there. So hey, if you're listening and you're an entrepreneur and you're thinking, hey, I kind of want to get into this, you should. You absolutely should. Because I don't see how it couldn't become successful. I don't see how they're... I mean, the audience is there. It, and it just... If you've got advertisements and you have a way of getting the word out there people if you build it they will come right I mean uh, this 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 is definitely I hope to see this uh, much more often in the future also on the post for the week I put the all-time 100 greatest video games now this list was compiled by time uh, people who make time magazine and uh, it was a pretty good list wasn't too bad. I didn't agree with a lot of things. There's also some games that I felt should have made the list that didn't. But nonetheless, uh, a pretty solid list. Now, I don't know if I would have named it the greatest video games of all time as much as maybe more or less, maybe the most influential games of all time. Because there is a difference. There is absolutely a difference. And some games are really popular but may not be the best. I know that sounds strange, but it happens all the time. So with that in consideration, uh, it's a pretty solid list. They've got they've got definitely the big hitters on in every decade since the 1970s. Uh, some big ones on there from the 70s, the Oregon Trail. I think that's a pretty good uh, candidate. I mean, who, who among us hasn't at least played the Oregon Trail at least once? I mean, I think it was almost mandatory for us to play during our uh, grade school years, which is kind of fun. I mean, because everyone I know has at least played that game at one point. Pong. I mean, it's the Asteroids, Space Invaders. I mean, the 70s, I mean, these were all big, huge hits. I mean, but they were also pioneers, too, at the same time, right? So those are definitely going to be on there. Some from the 80s. They have Pac-Man, Frogger. Donkey Kong, you would expect all of these. 
Tetris, of course. And then they move into the 90s. Now, the 90s gets a little weird, but there are some ones on there that uh, I, I think work pretty well. I think it's safe to say they should be on the list. Doom, for example, I think that's huge. Quake, in a lot of ways, uh, definitely should be on there. Tomb Raider, Metal Gear Solid, StarCraft, of course, that should be on the list too. Uh, I like the fact they put EverQuest on there. I'm happy about that. I was happy to see EverQuest make an appearance there. Uh, 2000s, they had uh, Diablo 2. That's a pretty obvious one there. Halo shows up on the list. Combat Evolved, I would I would agree with that. Uh, some of these other ones, uh, Angry Birds. I don't know. I mean, this is a gr great game, but is it the all-time greatest for our decade? Maybe. I don't know. See, that's that's a tricky one. I mean, I don't get me wrong. Angry Birds is a big deal. But is it the greatest? I don't know. World of Warcraft made the list. There was no way that one could... I don't think there was any way we could avoid that. That's that's a pretty huge game. Braid, Portal, and Rock Band are on this list as well. Now, some people would argue with some of these games, but then again, Rock Band is pretty uh, unique. It was a pioneer in that type of gameplay, really, right? So I think that they should definitely be included on that list, uh, at least for that. Is it the greatest game? I don't know. It's a pretty awesome game. What do you think? Half-Life 2? Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic on the list for the 2000s? So yeah, there's a quite a few on the list. Obviously, there, well, there's 100 on the list, but there's quite a few that may be a little controversial. Uh, so what's your opinion? Let us know. Head to the page. Let us know what you think. Post. Comment. Talk about them. What do you think should have made the list that didn't make the list? So I thought that was pretty interesting, so definitely had to post that. Battle.net World Championship for World of Warcraft was also live-streamed starting on November 16th and 17th. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to catch that, I'm sure you'll be able to watch a replay of all that. We had a live stream right there on geekwithenvy.com in our Battle.net World Championship World of Warcraft post. So we try to put live events like this up on the website as often as we can to provide a streaming link for you. And we try to make sure that that stream is working correctly. It seemed uh, we've got some good feedback on this one. The live stream seemed to be up and running quite well. It was embedded right there in the page along with the schedule underneath. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Looks like we got some comments there. Um, we had quite a few viewers at one point, or at least sitting on that page. So I was pretty happy with that to see you guys coming in and checking that out. So I did get, uh, I did notice that it seems to be helping. <laughs> I seem to be helping some people here with uh, Geek with Envy, and that makes me feel good because I think some people know about certain events like these, and then they forget about them. And then they happen to be on Facebook, and I make a post about them, and they go, oh, yeah, I wanted to check that out, and I completely forgot about that. Sweet. And that's, see, that's exactly what we want to do. At least that's part of what we want to do, and just go, hey, don't forget about this cool, geeky thing going on. You got to check this out. Don't forget about this. This is happening, remember? So glad to be able to help some people uh, <laughs> remember some of the events that they want to check out, or people who didn't even know they existed. And they go, oh, what's this? Oh, oh this is cool. You may even create some new fans. So I was happy about that. Also wrote something cool or something interesting about 3D gaming or 3D graphics becoming less important in games. 
And this is a big deal, especially for my, especially for me, growing up with games, starting out from the earliest games I can remember, um, you know, were DOS games and things like that, and, and Nintendo. That's about as far back as I go. I know there was uh, Atari and things like that before me, but just my experience in growing up with video games, it was always very centered on, especially once the 3D games came out and really started taking a good share of the market, we tended to focus on the graphics component a lot. Even if the gameplay wasn't all there, we were just like, oh, this thing looks so good. Oh, it's so much better than the last one. Oh, I mean, like, you know, from Wolfenstein 3D to Doom, and then, you know, from Doom to Quake, and then just, you know, consistently moving forward, right? all these game titles, right? Every time, they're just trying to make the graphics a little better, a little better, a little better. And in some instances, it was like the graphics took over everything. It was like everything was about how good this thing's going to look, and not so much about how well it plays, or not so much about how good the storyline is. Some games I don't even know what the storyline is at all, you know, and we're just like, okay, it looks kind of pretty, but I don't, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know what my mission is, and I'm not really sure why I'm here. I don't really know anything about my character. Or in some cases, the game would be just really buggy. It's like, okay, well, it looks amazing, but it sucks. It doesn't work. Things are really screwed up. I'm walking through walls. Switches aren't working. I can't get certain things to work. It's like, ah, you know, it's terrible. And this happened for a long time. It was just like, that seemed to be the primary goal of a lot of these companies that were spitting out these games. It was like, oh, well, we got to look better than the last guy. We want to go more realistic, more realistic, more realistic. And I know a lot of that has to do with the fact that we had huge advances in hardware during the 90s and things like that. And it was just like getting better and better and better and going from 8-bit to 16-bit to 32-bit. And then we've got, uh, you know, consoles coming out like, Nintendo 64, the PlayStation, I mean, how amazing was PlayStation when it came out? I mean, right? I mean, we were gaming, you know, for consoles, PlayStation was amazing. I mean, that was the thing. That was the console when it came out. I mean, PlayStation was the thing. You had to have one of those. It was just incredible. Now, me, I was a hardcore PC gamer for the early years of my life, but I didn't have consoles. I, I tried, actually, I was pretty balanced in that respect, but I always favored the PC for the longest time. But the PlayStation for me, uh, other than Nintendo, the PlayStation for me was what really uh, got me excited about console gaming. But it never held my attention quite as long as the PC world did. But, and in part because I always thought, <laughs> well here we go, I, I thought that in part the PC had superior graphics at the time, and it, and it actually did. And it continued to have superior graphics. And part of that is because PCs are easy to update. I mean, you can update the hardware much, you know, every couple of months. Whatever the newest, the latest and greatest comes out, you can throw it right in your machine. Well, hopefully, right? Most of the time. Whereas the consoles tend to be stagnant for a while. I mean, they create a console and it's, it's that's it. That's your... That's your console. That's your hardware for the next five years, for the next ten years, whatever, eight years. And nothing changes. In the, in the meantime, the industry gets better and better and better. The hardware gets better and better. And your computer can adapt to that much faster than 
your console can. So that's why you generally will see better graphics capabilities on the PC. For a while there, they were kind of neck and neck, but I mean, you know, a lot of it's enthusiast type stuff. I mean, not everybody's into that kind of thing. I mean, there isn't a specific audience that PC gamers, you know, that are PC gamers, and they really know everything about everything, and, you know, they really, we, and I'm one of them, you know, I mean, I, I strive for the best I can possibly get in most cases, but nonetheless, it's, it's something that is becoming less important, though, over the years, and especially recently, I've noticed this, you know, I mean, look at what people are doing now to game, and I think a lot of it has to do with the devices we use to game on, like our cell phones and our tablets, and the new types of input we have, like touch. Look at games like Minecraft, for example. This game, I mean, it, it's not exactly the best-looking game, right? It's not the most realistic game-looking, uh, realistic-looking game out there, but it's an amazing game. It's absolutely engaging. It's absolutely fun to play. And you add in the multiplayer component, and it's like, it's a home run. Okay, Minecraft is just a blast. So it's more about the gameplay. It's more about what the game is, the game itself, rather than focusing on pushing the limits of graphics cards. So, I mean, even things like Angry Birds, I mean, that's we've gone back to 2D in a lot of ways. We're embracing 2D more than ever now. I think, more so than, I mean, maybe just as much as we did when 2D was dominant. Look at Sonic the Hedgehog, for example. That's a game that's been around forever. And it's got a huge following, a huge fan base. And Sonic went into the 3D thing, and they, oh, we have to make it look better. we got to make it look as best as we can. And it's got to be so polished and three-dimensional. And it's got to look real and... The fans, I mean, I think most of us would agree with the, you. Most of you would agree with me on this. It was kind of like, uh, nah. Kind of lost you after Sonic 3D. Things started getting a little weird. Dreamcast, Sonic, whatever you want to call it. The fans kind of just started dropping off slowly. And they, they kept releasing titles. I mean, there's got to be like 500, what, five, six, seven, eight hundred Sonic the Hedgehog games out there. I'm not saying they're all terrible, I'm just saying that, I don't know, a lot of the original fans just kind of were like, meh, you know, and I don't, they just weren't impressed by a lot of it. And then what does they, what does, what do they do? What does Sega do? What is, what happens with Sonic the Hedgehog? Now all of a sudden we have, we've gone back to two-dimensional Sonic the Hedgehog. We went back to 2D. Because it's about the gameplay, it's about what Sonic is, and I think Sonic is best in a 2D world. That's my opinion. That's the way it started, and that's just what Sonic is. It doesn't need to be 3D. But they went 3D originally because that's the way things were going. Everybody just kept saying that 3D is the new thing, and it's the only thing. But that's not true. That's not what games are all about. They're not about just being three-dimensional or being whatever, looking a specific way, or looking as real as possible. If anything, they should be the farthest thing from reality in a lot of cases. And some games are made for reality. Some games are not supposed to be anything like reality. And that means 2D, too. We don't have to have everything in 2D. It's just some games are two-dimensional, and they're fun that way. And they would be weird if they were in three dimensions. Now, I try to imagine something like 
Angry Birds in three-dimensional space. Now, I'm not saying, I, we haven't seen it yet, so I can't really judge something I haven't seen yet, but Angry Birds is a two-dimensional game, and it works that way, because that's what it is. That's the way it should be. We don't need 3D Pong, right? No, Pong is just 2D, and that's the that's a blast. That's the way it is. It's two paddles and a ball. We don't, we don't need to be in three dimensions for that. The fundamental game, the fundamental part of the game is to be in two dimensions. It's it's not it's it's not about being in 3D to look the best. And I think that's just what we're catching on to that. Now the industry has kind of come full circle and now it's kind of like, okay, games are games and they're going to be whatever they're going to be. They don't have to fit in to a specific type of game in order to work. We can have our game being whatever it wants to be. And it's about the content in the game. It's about the quality of the game. Is it challenging? Is it fun to play with your friends? That's all that really matters. And I think Minecraft is a great example of that. The game, it's fun because it's kind of got a retro feel to it. And I think that's part of the cool vibe about the game. I think that's one of the things that creates buzz about Minecraft. I mean, the blocky things are really funny. I mean, it's like, oh, yeah, that's cool to see things like that. <laughs> you know? Oh, I remember. I mean, that's a funny way to look at a flower, right? To have it all square and weird. It's part of the appeal of the game, but it's more about the game itself. And that's not so, that hasn't always been that way. There was a there was a time where all we could do all we can do is is try to make things better, and that's to make them look more realistic and to bring everything into three dimensions. And now I think people, everyone's starting to realize in, in these game uh, developers are starting to realize that you know what it doesn't matter. It what matters is if is this a good game? Because as a gamer and myself, I could care less. Now, I'm not saying I don't like pretty-looking things. I, I'm not saying that I don't appreciate games that look as real as possible. But there's a specific space for those games. And there's a specific um, certain um, there's a certain games that uh, strive to be as realistic as possible. And that's cool. That's great. That's their thing. But does everything need to do that? No. Not at all. And uh, I don't know. I just kind of stepped back like I do with every, I try to do with everything and look at stuff like this and go wow we've things have really changed the gaming industry has really changed and this is it's a blast it's absolutely a blast I mean we have more diversity in games than we've ever had before and you know what I want to give a quick shout out to indie gamers out there I mean indie game indie gamers and indie game creators it's absolutely amazing that we have such access such easy access to indie games. I mean, years ago, you couldn't you would never find an indie game. It just wasn't there. There was no platform for these people to exist on. And companies like Microsoft offer these amazing ways to get these amazing games. They offer a great place for you to go and find indie games that millions and millions and millions of people have access to and are able to see. So you can put your indie game in front of millions of people. That's incredible. That is absolutely incredible. We are in a great time for games right now. And 
I'm just, it's just exciting. It's super exciting. And I'm glad to see that we've made this transition away from everything has to look as real as possible. And in fact, in a lot of ways, we're going retro. We're going back. We're doing throwbacks, right? A lot of games are going back to what they used to be. And I think that's awesome. So, there it is. 3D graphics becoming less important. Uh, you can read that article right on geekwithenvy.com. Words a little differently than I've done here. But nonetheless, uh, interesting. So leave your comments on there. Uh, again, I appreciate that. Let me know how you feel. Let me know how you feel about everything. I, I, I'm really... I really want to get a bead on what you guys think about this kind of stuff because it's just interesting to me. I love differing opinions and, and hearing that kind of stuff. If you want to leave them on the page or leave them on Facebook, whatever, just let me know. So let's take a jump from games out into outer space. It is the most distant object in the universe. Well, NASA has found possibly the most distant object in the universe. And the object is actually a galaxy, and it is named MACS0647-JD. And so far, it is the farthest object we've ever viewed. In fact, it's so far away that we would normally never, ever, ever be able to see it. But we lucked out. Because they got a little help from a cluster of galaxies known as MAX, or MACS, J0647 and 7015. These two, this cluster of galaxies actually bend light around them. The gravitational influence of these galaxies bend light in such a way that they actually magnified light from galaxies that were further off in the distance behind these galaxies, behind this cluster of galaxies. So basically we had a giant magnifying glass out way out in outer space that allowed us to see something even farther away. So we only had a, a, you know, a certain opportunity to look at something that was really old and really far away. Now keep in mind, in space, something interesting happens. Things are so far apart that it takes light years upon years, in fact in some cases billions of years, to reach Earth. So when it does get here, that light is showing us something that may or may not even exist anymore. In most cases, it probably doesn't. In this case, this galaxy might not even exist anymore. Or if it does, it looks completely different than it does now, or what we're seeing, because it takes, it's, it's taking 13.4 billion years for that light to reach Earth. So that means... There's, a, there's plenty of time for something to change, and we wouldn't see it because there's this constant stream of light flying through space still trying to reach us from this galaxy. So in a way, we're, when we're looking at space, we're really looking into the past because everything is just so far away. Now in the post, I have a picture from NASA of the surrounding galaxies and then they have a little a smaller window zoomed in on what they believe to be the oldest object we've ever viewed out in space and uh... it just blows my mind every time i look at this stuff it space is so 
incredibly vast, it makes your head want to explode. And it, it got me thinking about, and I've heard this before, and I've talked about this before, what if we could do something interesting? What if we could instantaneously appear millions away, millions of light years away from Earth? And then if we were to turn around, look back in the direction of Earth, and use some mega super powerful telescope to zoom in on the Earth's surface, what would we see? For instance, what if we went back 65 million light years away? And we look back at the Earth. Would we see dinosaurs walking the Earth? Because that light is taking millions of years to reach us. So we're really still looking at an old picture because it hasn't updated yet. Because we're still looking at the light, the light that is just getting to our eye from that, from that many light years away is still showing us things from millions of years ago because it takes that long for that light to get there. It takes that long for that image to change. So really, we can look into the past. And that would be amazing. I mean, we'd have to really be able to zoom in, right? But in this, you know, hypothetical world where we can do all these crazy things, how cool would that be? And then what if we could somehow video record, record on video, the entire history of human civilization? Like live. We could actually see what happened. Everything would be accurate. We would have no question. Why? Because we've seen it. It's on the video. It's on the tapes. How incredible would that be to be able to literally document all of this? I even mentioned uh, we'd probably be able to fast forward somehow by heading towards Earth at a rapid rate of acceleration to somewhat fast forward what we see. To move forward in time, we move closer to the object. We are getting more recent light, right? So, very interesting. And I thought that was pretty cool. NASA's uh, definitely out there. They're definitely doing some really cool stuff, and I'm definitely keeping up on all of it. And I will, in turn, keep you up on up to date on all of it, so you don't have to. And, uh, yeah, finding the most distant possible galaxy in the universe that we know of, or that we've ever seen, anyway, that's pretty cool. Absolutely cool. There's, uh, in fact, it's so far away. We have, and it's, we actually have no idea how far away that we know it's far. Believe me, but uh, they have no accurate way of measuring the distance because of the fact that we can't consistently keep an eye on it. Remember, the only way that we can see this is that there's this gravitational magnifying glass, thanks to this cluster of galaxies. Without that, we can't see this galaxy. That in itself is pretty wild that we're actually using galaxies to look at more distant galaxies. That's pretty neat. In fact, it's weird that that even happens. But here it is. It's happening. Now, what I always thought would be, how weird would it be if we could somehow get one galaxy or one cluster of galaxies that is bending space in a way that mag uh, magnifies things off in the distance? And then what if there was another galaxy behind that one that was also doing magnification, would we have like ultra uber magnification? I'm sure they're trying to do that. I'm sure they're out there looking for these kinds of things. But yeah, being able to see back, uh, you know, seeing light that was 13.4 billion years ago. I mean, you, now you're flirting with the beginnings of the of the uh, or the theoretical beginning of the universe, the Big Bang. 
I mean, you're talking in just a short period. I mean, technically, what from what we're seeing here in this picture, that, that could be light from near the beginning of the universe. That's absolutely insane. So, and again, this is all based on, now that's based on the Big Bang Theory. If, if that all proves to be correct, then yes, this, the further away things are, the older they are, and therefore that would be, and of course, because of the great distance, the time frames are such that what we would be seeing is almost a, a snapshot of time near the Big Bang. Very, very strange. Very cool. So, we're going to wrap things up here. That's our latest post on Geek with Envy for the week. We will be doing episode 7 next Tuesday. And in fact, I'm really pleased to say that uh, listenership has gone up. So you guys must be liking them. But if you are liking them, I haven't heard much from you. Let me know. Let me know how you guys think about this podcast. You can uh, uh, post anywhere on Facebook or, or on the website, or you can send me an email at richardvincenti at geekwithenvy.com. And let me know, because that's huge. You guys are ultimately, uh, you know, you guys are very important to what I'm doing here. I, I want to know what you guys like, what you want to hear more of. Was there a particular subject you didn't like? Or do you disagree with me on something? I don't know. You know, my word's not everything. I mean, it's just my opinions on all of this stuff. So uh, definitely like uh, for you guys to send us an email or engage with us in any way you can. I appreciate the people who are always liking us on Facebook and following us and sharing things. That is awesome. Get the word out there. Let people know, man, we exist. We're cool. We got some good stuff out here, man. We got good content. Let your friends know. Appreciate all that stuff. Also, I want to give you an update. We are getting ready to do a giveaway. If you haven't noticed, there is a giveaway section at the top right corner of the website. And we are currently working on something to give away. We've got a few ideas. And they will be coming to fruition quite soon. This giveaway will be fun. It will definitely be fun. We're trying to actually uh, work on the logistics right now. We also want to make sure that uh, we do this right. We want to kind of keep the cheaters at bay a little bit too, so we want to make sure that it's as secure as we can be for a giveaway. Basically meaning we don't want to have multiple entries or whatever. Uh, so things like that, so we're trying to figure that out. But once we get that all together, we will be notifying you through Facebook and we'll definitely be doing a post on that. So keep an eye on us. Come back to the website frequently. Uh, just, you know, if not just for the content, but also check on the giveaways page to see if we're giving anything away. But believe me, you'll probably know because we're going to, we're definitely going to let you guys know. We're going to get some, get the word out there. Uh, again, if you need anything, as far as if you find any bugs or anything like that, or if you notice something really weird with a website, you can head over to our support, uh, support page in the top right in the navigation and send all your bugs and whatever else you find at support at geekwithenvy.com. I appreciate that. Highly appreciate that. We need this thing to be a well-oiled machine, right? So let me know about the bugs. That's huge. Right now, actually, we've had quite a, quite a few little bugs popping up here and there, and we were able to squash them in time. Some weird loading issues and some... Uh, uh, fortunately, all the links have been correct, but there were some really good, uh, strange, buggy things happening with some of the uh, uh, rating widgets and things like that. And that was 
uh, all straightened out now, so it looks like we're doing really good. Again, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Google+. Hey, we've got YouTube videos now. We're starting to do YouTube videos. Uh, mostly right now, we we're the two videos that I posted are just uh, some trailers and things like that. But we are going to be adding some original content soon. In fact, I'm thinking about creating uh, some type of, uh, maybe doing of this as a video podcast. What do you think about that? Let me know how you feel. You want me to do a video podcast? I have, I would love to do that. I think maybe we should. We have to set that up. Uh, I definitely want to do some reviews. Like I said, I have some products on the way. And I'm thinking about doing the video on those too. So YouTube looks awesome. I, I want to engage with YouTube. So we'll get that channel up and running shortly. And we'll get some content, some original content out there. In the meantime, check out the trailers at uh, through our YouTube page. And we also have an RSS feed available for you, too. So you can subscribe to the RSS feed. So you can stay up to date all the time on the latest information from geekwithenvy.com. So, once again, I'd like to thank you for joining us as we roll on out for the, for the evening here. And uh, once again... I'm Richard Vincenti Jr. with geekwithenvy.com. You have a great day. Is this thing is this thing even recording? Is this thing recording at all? It sounds really weird. I don't think it's recording. Oh, well, maybe it is. <laughs>